37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hi-ho and welcome to 37 Disney Street, friends. There's dirty work afoot this week as we begin our journey through the Disney classics. Each week we'll self-indulgently chat about some of our favourite films and then we'll rate them out of 100 and gradually start to rank them all. With a spoon, with a bowl, with the music in my soul, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Fletcher. With a smile and a song, I'm Lucy Rain. Hello, children. With a bad back, I'm Hugh Rain. Well, the kids have had their apples and settled down for a long sleep, so we're free to settle down on the sofa and talk about today's classic number one, 1937's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Coined Disney's folly, Snow White has often been described as the one that started it all. But how did the one that started it get started? Well, by 1934... Walt Disney had gone from hand-drawing cartoons in a shed at the back of his family home in Kansas City to employing over 200 people in his custom-built studio in Hyperion Avenue, Los Angeles. Always a trailblazer, Walt had already popularised the character Mickey Mouse, produced the first animated short with fully synchronised sound, signed an exclusivity deal with Technicolor for its use in animation, and won an Academy Award for the short film Flowers and Trees. So, the studio was doing pretty well. However, during the Depression, the new trend for showing two full-length movies back-to-back, also known as a double feature, meant that animated shorts were no longer in high demand. No one knows for sure when Walt decided he wanted to cut himself a slice of the feature-length pie, but in 1934, he invited his top animators to a soundstage at the Hyperion after hours, and acted out the whole of Snow White before their eyes. The dream was born. Over the next three years, the staff at the studio would balloon to nearly a thousand, with nearly all of them working on the Feature Symphony, as it was known. With an initial budget of quarter of a million dollars, the film ended up costing nearly one and a half million, but grossed eight million on its initial release. Adjusted for inflation, it remains one of the top ten highest-performing films of all time. Okay, so to keep us honest and to try and keep the show down to a reasonable length, we're going to break our discussion up into three sections. The story, the animation, and the music. And then at the end, we'll give our ratings out of ten for each section, which will give us an overall score. So who wants to start with the story? Do you know what? My first instinct with the story, obviously it's, um, I saw this years and years and years ago and so I've carried it with me ever since, is that it was really quite basic and weak. However, since I've sort of been researching it since, I've found out about the number of rewrites it went in, the amount of restructuring, and you start to really appreciate the thought that's gone into it and how very well weighted it is. Between all the characters. It still takes a long time to get started, though, doesn't it? I don't think it does, no. No, she seems to be off in those woods quite quickly. Yeah. It goes, this is the princess, this is the prince, go and kill her. 
You know, we, we know right. everything we need to know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, it just it's it sits the, in the middle. It's it, the middle bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you get all that story to start with and then you, you bumble around and watch some dwarves for 40 minutes. Sorry, that alarm is uh, anytime someone um, says dwarves because the word is dwarfs. <laughs> Can we just take a second here to stress that dwarves isn't really a word. It has been used by Tolkien and popularised by him, but in this case... We're talking about seven dwarfs. Not a lot of people know this, but it's dwarfs. The man's right. We've been told. It's on the poster. Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's going to test my addiction a bit. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Um, well, I I like the uh, the story. It's it's actually I find it refreshingly sparse, and uh, it gives a lot of uh, room for character development. Mm. You know, there's just endless scenes of uh, dwarfs doing things. And mucking about, and I like that breathing space, and not to get bogged down with the story. You just have a bit of fun. And I guess if you got to have seven dwarfs, I nearly said dwarves. Then it was so I'll close. Ha- I'll give you half, half a bell. <laughs> if you got to have seven dwarfs um, plus the main characters, um, that's a lot of character development you need to do. So mm. I, I understand why all the gags are there and why it goes into all that, but it just takes forever. See, I'm going to disagree with you because I can see very, very little character development. This finishes the start, basically. I know one has turned into an old woman, but other than that, no one's really changed or learnt much. I'm not sure that matters too much. For me, just seeing them, just seeing character exploration, I don't need to see the dwarfs develop because, you know, they've, they've been that way forever. And they do change a bit. Grumpy in particular changes quite quite a bit yes. yeah because he does care about something after all he does I would like to move a motion can, can I move a motion uh, table a motion does that involve going to the toilet <laughs> does that involve going to the toilet oh not on not live on air no um, I'd like to table a motion that this is actually Grumpy's film I think this is all about Grumpy it's all about Grumpy I think it's all about Grumpy. It's his story. I think maybe that's why we uh, we zoom through the first section so quickly so that we can get to Grumpy as quick as possible. And he's the one who's got a character arc. He's the one who goes on a journey. And what is that journey? Well, it starts off Grumpy. Yeah. 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 And then he grows to like her. Yeah. And then at the end, he's crying. And he leads the charge against the hag. He does. He does, and he's the only one who understands the animals from shooing them away. He's shooing the animals away to start with, and then he's understanding the animals to go and rescue Snow White at the end. He's uh, queuing up for a kiss. He's pretending he's not. You see him thaw. Does he ever stop being grumpy? Yes, and starts being sad and panicked. And it is very moving, is that scene? It is. Um, So, uh, for me, yeah, I, I think I've kind of said I find the is incredibly hollow um i was watching it enjoying it don't get me wrong i was enjoying it but i suddenly realized i was halfway through and nothing had really happened <laughs> and and for me you know i, I like things to move a bit mm. i i always enjoy films where nothing happens <laughs> <laughs> so i really like this you can just sit back and enjoy the backgrounds uh yeah, just kick back and not have to worry about a story. <laughs> I, I do agree. I know I've already kind of, you know, argued with you on this, but I, I absolutely adore this film. And I think just being able to watch it and enjoy it and look at it and absorb it is, it's enough, really. I did adore it. And, and I, I think when you 
think about what it was doing in terms of breaking new ground as well at the time. Um, and obviously we're going to talk about animation, we're going to talk about music in the future, but uh, you know, it's done a lot as this film. I, it's just, for me, the stories where, where maybe they decided to compromise a bit. Mm. This is off the back of Silly Symphonies, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, and you could say the film is just a string of Silly Symphonies mm. like put together. Like each... Each each scene, you know, cleaning the house and sleeping uh, and getting washed. They're just these sort of five minute silly things, yeah. mm-hmm. which gives gives you space to have animals coming in and doing things and little interactions. Well, everybody working on the film that was their comfort zone, and you can almost feel them sort of breathe out when it gets to the the cottage and the dwarves. You know, they've been doing all this arty technical. <laughs> When it gets to the dwarfs, they've been doing all these arty technical things with the Queen and Snow White. And, um, you know, they've been doing the dream sequences and all that difficult, intense stuff. And then the minute they get with the dwarfs, everyone just relaxes and it just, it picks up a pace. And they were paid a bonus for it as well, weren't they? They were. Every gag, um, if someone came up with a gag. Now, I, if you say gags, I think jokes, but mm. it's really like visual gags, like the nose is coming over the end of the um, end of the bed. Any animator in the whole studio, when they came up with a gag, got paid a $5 bonus. $5! What would that be like in uh, today's terms? That is, um, I just, let me just work this out. Um, that's £27,000 in today's money. Per gag? Yeah, so that's oh, wow. not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, there is one good thing about this hollow plot, though, and that big chunk of time uh, dedicated to gags, which is that... It, it puts you into a false sense of security. At the start, there's all this danger, and mm. she runs off into the woods, and then everything's light and happy for 25 minutes. Mm. Um, and then it gets really dark. Really dark. Well, that's where um, Walt made the decision. There were two scenes that had already been animated. That's Walt Disney, in case anyone doesn't know who we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we're on first name terms. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were two scenes that had already been fully animated by Ward Kimball, one of his animators, and it was a soup scene and um, a scene where they're building a bed. And when he was watching the rushes and doing a bit of a rewrite, Walt looked at them and went, we need to get back to the Queen. And he just cut the two scenes, and Ward Kimball had spent eight months on them. You know, I mean, the worst I love that boss. song as well. Yeah. It's a great song, but... They couldn't have had another, what, 10 minutes yeah. worth of, of messing about, I don't think. But I think this is what I meant at the beginning in that it, it was really working to pace it was Walt and he was really instrumental in um, in every aspect of the story and he was just determined that it would flow and, and it does. It's interesting to see mm. um, how the uh, story developed with the prince and, and his entrance and things. And I've, I've, I watched a piece about this where initially it was much more kind of more, more comedy to it, I think, much more along the Silly Symphonies line. The mm. horse that he rode in on was, was a character as opposed to oh, just God, a horse. Yeah. And, and it would have had more of a Robin Hood type feel to it or something, I think. Well, they describe him as an elastic character, yeah. don't they? Yeah, there's a, there's a sketch of him and he, he's got like a giant nose and a really goofy expression. I, the, don't, I don't know how they'd have, they'd have worked that in. They did the same with the Queen. But the thing is, with this being the first Disney film, you've really got to appreciate how many archetypes who were actually creating to do this. I mean, that is a Disney villain. You know, yeah. that, that queen, the colour scheme, the, the shape of the eyes, it goes straight up to Maleficent and all the rest. But she was drawn the same hue with the big nose and the, you know, 
gigantic bosoms and so on. And just think how different Disney would have been if they'd stuck with that sketch. It's interesting as, as well, though, if you think about some of the more modern classics where they probably have gone down that route instead of trying to keep it something traditional and real. If you watch the scenes with the Queen in, when she is her initial stately Queen, all the camera shots are dead on and everything is symmetrical and square. And then when she becomes the hag, um, the camera gets a bit more erratic. But it's really, I mean, she's chilling. She terrified me as a child. Terrified And the transformation as well. Oh, yeah. Do you remember some of the ingredients when she turns into the hag? None of them. I, I do. Mum. I do. Let's list, let's list some. Mummy dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, scream of fright. Old hag's cackle. There's, a, there's another couple, aren't there? Thunderbolt. Well, she mixes it all together with a thunderbolt. And a gust of wind to fan her flame. Wow. That's serious mm. stuff. That is pretty serious she's stuff. A, she's a powerful witch. The black of night. How do you harvest the black of night? To shroud her cloak, the black of night. Well, she would know. It's not mm. for us to, to say, is it? <laughs> and you, you don't question where she's got all these magical powers and these potions and the power of the kingdom and all the rest of it. You just don't question it. She's her and she's evil. I think now we need much more backstory. Yeah, you didn't have to question it in those days. It no. was you know, the first feature animation. You just accepted everything that was chucked at you. But yeah. where's her husband? Exactly. What What's her problem with Snow White? Apart from the fact that she's more beautiful. I mean, is, people are... That's are, a stepmother, are, isn't it? Yeah. Is it the same as um, Cinderella? She's married the dad. And then the and dad's died. And then the died. dad's died. And then she's stuck with that horrible mum. Well, are we making assumptions here or is that actually... I don't think that's. T- I don't think that's touched. No, on. I don't think it's that's uh, folklore. Yeah, but it's probably true. <laughs> Do you know yes. the Queen's name? Uh, Margaret. Beatrice. You, Eugenie. Oh, I know. Tracy. Tracy, <laughs> the horrible Queen. All good guesses. Unfortunately, the answer is Queen Grimhilda. Oh, that's a pretty grim name, really, isn't it? It is. Um. One of the one of my bugbears, you know, you know, I like a bugbear, Chris. Oh, I do know you like a bugbear. One of my bugbears is the misquoting of her line to the mirror, which, as we know, because we know, yeah, is magic mirror on the wall. But for some reason, ninety percent of people would say mirror, mirror on the wall. And you know what? If you're one of those people, you're wrong. <laughs> That's just one of my little bugbears. Oh, yeah. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it needs a jingle. Keep, keep them coming, Hugh. Keep them coming. Bugbears. <laughs> bugbear, bugbear. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bugbear necessities. <laughs> so what do you think to Snow White as a character? She's a bit wet, isn't she? Um, her voice does... Oh, just makes me cringe. It's it's yeah. like it's like fingers on a chalkboard. The nineteen thirties soprano thing. It's bad. Well, she's just got. I mean, you know, we're going to the categories of uh, music and animation here, but just the way she moves is very of the time, and the way she sings is so of the time. You know that sort of yeah. singing that's screaming, mm. just mm. this really shrill, 
like terrifying. There's that thing at the end as well with the music where there's like a big crescendo and it's just it's a choir of people and it's terrifying. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't at the time though, was it? That was a really feminine feminine voice. Mm. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was the standard, wasn't it? I guess we'll talk about music in a little while anyway mm. and, and talk a bit more about that. But Snow White as a character, um, yeah, she's just a bit wet for me. Entirely hollow. She's, she's so innocent. It's uh, she's just so sweet, though, isn't she? Mm. Yeah. And I, I love the bit where she's um, she's in the woods, and the animals all basically just instantly sign up mm. to her, and mm. they just she basically becomes their leader. <laughs> yeah. Just out of nowhere, and they they just follow around for what would what would be the rest of their lives. If, uh, if I don't think she realizes her own power in that respect. If I could command a forest full of animals, she just has a magical quality to her mm. where people just people just love her. I, this is getting more into animation again, but I love the way she moves. I love the way she moves. It's so elegant. It's mesmerizing. Oh, there is one bit that I adore, and that's where Snow White wakes up in the bed and she first meets the dwarfs, and. She's, you know, trying to guess which is which. And then there's a bit where she says in this really cute voice, Oh, you must be grumpy. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's my favourite bit. Well, should we talk about animation? Yeah. A lot of people think that rotoscoping was used on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it was, but not as much as people think. Dwarfs. Dwarfs. What's rotoscoping, Hugh? Uh, That is just the act of filming something and basically tracing over it and using that movement as your animation rather than you know the the normal way which mm. would just be just to just to draw it <laughs> and i think a lot of people think that because they've all seen the original footage of snow white and people yeah, acting that, that out but they actually used it for visual reference yes, yeah and uh it does have a quality of rotoscoping but actually if you look um you can tell that very little has been used, and they just have used the movements for reference. There, so, there are bits where she's turning that look look too real to yeah. not be using it for me. But there's something off-putting about that. Uh, instantly gets people's backs up when they see that sort of movement. But uh, in this, I think it gives a nice uh, contrast between the cartooniness of the d- dwarfs, yeah, and then the sort of realistic movements of the humans. Mm. So I like the use of it in this. And if you think of the audiences of the time, they will have been unfamiliar with animation at this level. They were idiots. <laughs> Everyone was. So they won't have been looking at it going, ah, it's rotoscopes, ah, it's rotoscopes, cheating. They'll just have seen, you know, a realistic moving human, which they'd never seen animated before. I mean, that was one of the big challenges producing this film was trying to get realistic human movements. And it works. It pays off. I think it look it looks great with with her. As I say, the bits the bits that I recall that I think must be the rotoscoping, are bits where she does just some turns when she's dancing and things. And it it looks for me. People might find it a bit weird. For me, it looks so natural. It it adds to the beauty of it. There's there's a really specific way of moving in in the thirties, especially mm. when she's distressed when she's running through the the woods. Yeah. Oh, the hands, <laughs> the hands up, holding her hands up to her face. Mm. And you know the way she turns and runs and falls—it's very of its time. Mm. <laughs> and that's strange how, like, you know, physical acting, the style yeah. changes over time. You know, just the way that people stand is different from. Well, I love that about the prince, and it's been parodied so many times now. But if you see him kind of 
edge towards edge towards her at the beginning so his knees slightly bent he's leaning with his shoulder is that is how a prince charming moves now i don't know if if they had reference to that before they made it but they certainly created something because ever since you watch what's that one with amy adams the live enchanted. action enchanted that's how he moves in Enchanted. Any pantomime prince moves in that way as yeah. well. It, it's balletic though, isn't it? It is. is that, it, oh, it is, It yeah. comes from dance, doesn't it? And that's mm. entirely what it is. Interesting point. Mm. You would have thought I would have made it, wouldn't you? Well, I know. I was waiting for you to. <laughs> dance know, teacher you. over there. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, the animation is excellent. And they were worked hard on this. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, uh, but it's paid off. Uh, it really holds up. To this day. Oh, and we haven't talked about the um, multi-plane camera, which was like the new kid in town for this. That was They sort of worked and developed this new system for getting the depth. And of course, if you're not looking for it, we take stuff like, well, I mean, we've just seen Infinity War, for crying out loud. Nothing will ever impress us again. <laughs> but when you see something like that, you think, oh, gosh, yeah, that's lovely. Well, this is a technique of stacking layers of glass with images on them and having a camera mounted at the top so that you could slide these pieces of glass along and it would create a real sense of depth so in in my notes where i've put i right like that bit at the start where you can see the castle and the clouds are all moving behind it and it's got this real 3d look to it yeah and there's and, trees in the foreground yeah and they mm. almost zoom in on it as well but so. it's all like blurry and stuff in the yeah, foreground yeah yeah so that to, to someone in lay terms, that's what um, that's what you're talking about. That's the multiplayer camera. Right. And they also used it to do the water effect, which I've just said nothing impresses us after Infinity War. However, that water effect is amazing. You know when she's looking in, in the, the well. well? I do have in my notes, good water effects. Oh, <laughs> it's gorgeous. And that's just like um, di- distorted glass that they put over an animation cell, but not over the cell above it. Because yeah. they can look through multiple layers. And then just slide it along mm. to create a ripple. Clever. Very it, clever. Very clever. So what what I've, what I've I noticed about it was that, uh, for me, it kind of it, it refines what's gone before in terms of what, they do, what they've done. So when you look at the Silly Symphony stuff and that style, and we already mentioned that in the story as well. But those characters, particularly the animals um, and, and the dwarfs, um, very good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it, it's very much in that silly symphony kind of style, but then you've got the contrast of of the main characters who are all so real. There's so much mm. realism in, in those characters and the, their appearance and the way they move. Um, it, it's quite interesting to see mm. these two completely different things put together in the film. And it works because you believe there are different species, don't you? Well, um, one of the quotes from one of the animators was that Walt told them don't try to make the dwarfs realistic try to make them believable mm. not entirely sure what that means but it sounds really good doesn't it yeah no but you, you can tell what he means by that which is just you just have to accept that these ridiculous cartoony characters can exist and that's all achieved in the way that they move and well everything yeah. you know, the sound yeah yeah so what's your highlight from an animation point of view then in this film, Hugh? Um, hmm. An animation highlight. Yeah, what did, what did you like most? What, what moment really captured you? It's probably just the way the animals move. There's a, there's a cartooniness to them, yet a realism and a playfulness 
They're good just, at that. Yeah, just mesmerising to watch. Mm. I, I have to agree. All the scenes with the animals, particularly um, the whistle-while-you-work one, um, the amount of gags in there. There'll have been a lot of $5 notes mm. being turfed out, but the, the deer who cleans the inside of the chair with his little tail, and then the, the squirrels who dust the dust underneath the um, rug and then into the mouse hole and then the angry mouse... No cartoon is complete without an angry mouse. I love that angry mouse. He's fuming. Everything's got a weight to it as well. Mm. Everything just totally looks believable in that in that world. Everything's everything's got a physicality to it. Right down to the, the backgrounds yeah. as well. Everything just seems like it's been there for decades. Oh, let's yeah, talk yeah. about the backgrounds. The the backgrounds in the cottage are you've got to have another watch and watch every single frame there's carvings on every step yeah, and every attention chair. to detail just mm. and, and things that if, if if it wasn't in the film you wouldn't you wouldn't miss them but it's just a great attention to detail mm. the disney difference that is that what that is yeah. well that's what they say in the parks is we have the disney difference but i think it starts right back then it's just it's amazing here at disney we can be bothered <laughs> <laughs> Can I uh, give a little fact for you? Do it. We all know that the um, budget, that it massively overran its budget when it was uh, produced. One of the reasons was they found that having seven dwarves and three adults and dwarfs (laughs) and uh, 50 animals on a screen at the same time, the paper that they used just wasn't big enough. And so they decided to use bigger paper. But to make bigger paper, they had to get bigger animation boards and to get bigger animation boards they had to get bigger light boxes and needed bigger animators bigger animators <laughs> bigger pencils bigger clothes yeah. six foot five animators they had to recalibrate all the cameras all the all the settings and uh, so they basically had to rebuild the whole studio just because they wanted the paper a few inches bigger but boy was it worth it yeah and it almost ruined them it yeah. did they were triple quadruple mortgage to the hilt and if this had failed but it didn't but it did you know what i think if it would have failed we wouldn't be sat here today we wouldn't even exist i think i might just let that sink in what about your parents first date to go see lady in the tramp that would never have happened i went to see the exorcist i think (laughs) that makes sense mine saw star wars a new hope or just star wars as it was called then is that true i don't know (laughs) <laughs> and what, what is it true that they went to see it yeah yeah because my dad said uh, oh, I just remember it being a load of desert scenes and that was Are just you sure the, it wasn't uh... Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> it could have been so I'm going to tell you my favourite bit of animation okay, now what's your favourite bit? On bit of animation Chris my favourite bit of animation was um, the bit at the end when the uh, when the witch is dead and the vultures have a look down and go <gasps> Yeah, I'm going to eat that. And then they <laughs> yeah. swoop down. And it's just the way that they, they both swoop round in a circle and then basically disappear into the background. Yeah. It just is beautiful. Did they give, love it. Did they give each other a little, a little look as well? Yeah, a little yeah. knowing look. Yeah, sure, yeah. A little yeah. eyebrow yeah. raise. Yeah. After you. <laughs> and we all know that vultures are movie shorthand for it's going down. Oh, yeah. When you see a couple of vultures perched above a, an action scene, you know what's happening. Absolutely. Dinner time. Any more to talk about on animation? Um, I'd like to give a little uh, shout out to the sisters in uh, in Campaign, if I may. I think you should. Yeah, the unsung heroes. They, um, you know, 
everything that fellas did was just done in pencil and handed to them and then it was them that sort of finished these details, gave it life, gave it skin tone, the stories of them using actual blusher, their own blusher on the uh, on Snow White's skin cheeks. To, on yeah. Snow White's cheeks, things like that. And and that's where that's where the magic happens, as it were. Without that it's just pencil sketches and thumbprints. So word God love up. them. Yeah. Thanks, ladies. Bless them. And it gets them out of the kitchen, which is nice. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I'm going to move us on swiftly there. <laughs> <laughs> I love the music. I, I, this, there's yes. not, I, I find it hard to fault it um, because it's a continual score mm-hmm. um, and it, everything's timed to the music or the music's been created so it's timed to it, probably more likely. Um, it's just so clever. If I had one criticism, it's that, uh, and it's not really a criticism, it's more, it's more that when I think about Disney as a whole, it doesn't contain my favourite songs, but it contains some songs mm. I like, but there's no real... I suppose there's a couple that, that have stood the test of time, but there's none that really kind of stand out as ones that, that I love. But What's your favourite one of the Snow White songs? Probably Whistle Whilst You Work. <laughs> whilst. <laughs> well, it should be Whilst. <laughs> Americans don't like Whilst, do they? What is the one um, where where they're having a dance? Is that just called the silly? The silly the song. The silly song. Mm. I love that the one. The yodeling one. <laughs> and it reminds me of the ride at Disneyland Paris. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I get really warm and fuzzy when I hear that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, my daughter, our daughter, Bonnie. Um, not me- not all of our daughter. Just no. just two of the three of us. <laughs> Mine and Hugh. <laughs> just a, uh, just the right leg. Let's make <laughs> let's make that clear. <laughs> Whenever we see a wishing well anywhere in a shopping centre, in a park or whatever, she makes me sing the wishing song sort of in call and response with her. <laughs> Doesn't she? Mm-hmm, we true. have to sing it all the way through. Oh, and I'm nice. a really bad singer. And she also says that you look like Snow White. She does, yeah. Which is yeah, when she true, could, really, isn't it? She, when she, she just her. learned to talk, we had this, this movie on. We've been brainwashing her since before she was born to be a Disney fan. And um, she would just learn to talk about, Mummy, it's you! And uh, you're Mummy! And she also she thinks said. that she's dopey. And I'm Prince Charming. Yeah. Oh, Lucas thinks I look like Shrek and we have to sing George's Shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter thinks I'm an actual Disney princess and that will keep me happy through many a dark night. Yeah, you win. <laughs> yeah. What, what, other, what other songs have we got? Well, I did mention to you guys earlier, and you were quite surprised, that it's got eight original songs and three reprises. Mm. And that's a lot of songs. That is a lot of songs. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel like there's that many songs. It it doesn't. And sometimes musicals can feel sort of music heavy, but this just doesn't because everything happens so We've got naturally. Someday My Prince Will Come. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, hang on. Is that later? Oh, so I'm, oh, so I'm trying, trying to do them in order. Yeah. Right. So there's um, wishing. I'm, I'm wishing. Um, what the pr- prince sings when he comes. Oh, I love that. She's singing in the well, and then out of nowhere, this this fella turns up with, a, with that ridiculous way of singing. Today. Oh, I like, like that. All right, mate, get out of my face. But at that <laughs> point in the music, it is nice to hear a good, strong tenor voice. And not have to listen to her whiny, horrible voice yes, for a few is. seconds. So for me, I liked that. Oh, thank God! 
Shut her up. <laughs> so there's those. Um, and then is the next one... With a smile and a song, Whistle, whistle, whistle that while you work. No, it? it's with a smile and a song because she's crying in the woods and then she decides, I'm not going to be sad anymore. I'm going to sing to my animal friends. I don't remember that one. Anyway, there's uh, Whistle While You Work. Dig, hi-ho. Dig, 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 slash hi-ho. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that counts for like four of the songs. Right, yeah. <laughs> Someday My Prince Will Come, Silly Song. What else? Hi-ho reprise. I, I haven't been counting how many we've just done. Well, I don't there's, there isn't much more I, than have that. Have we missed any major ones? I don't think so. No. No. Yeah. And then there's the soup song, which was... Yeah. Which was cut. sadly cut. Mm. And it is... You can still find it fully animated. It's just not been inked inked and painted. Well, they were using his cutscenes to make a sequel at one point, weren't they? And were they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes, they were. So it was only going to be a short. You know, like we have these frozen shorts now and... Mm. and you know, tangled shorts and things. It was going, going to be that kind of thing. So She that, was going to be visiting them, which is nice because, you know, she hasn't just gone off to live in, in, in a castle with a prince. Um, um, she's not forgotten her roots. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think she's visiting them and yeah. that was going to be in, using there. When were they going to make that? Um, not long afterwards, I don't think. I think they started oh. work... Well, I say started work on it. The, the premise from what I remember was, as you say, she'd come to visit... They turn up and she's already there and she's made some soup. Hey, what? And then I guess she stays the night, so they decide they're going to make her a bed. And that's pretty much it. I'd love it, it if it was not ch- a lot more. chicken noodle soup. <laughs> that's my favourite soup. Would, would be good for <laughs> slurping, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would work. Um, it was nominated for an Oscar for the Best Musical Scar, and I think quite rightly. I mean, I'm not familiar with every other film made in 1937, but the fact that it starts... Wasn't on the, the titles first, and finishes, you wasn't know. Wasn't the first Terminator film out, out then? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's not known for its rousing string section, is it, Terminator? Might be a couple of years out on that mm. one. Could be. Yeah, um, yeah I, I understand why it got it, its um, Oscar, but at the same time, it's just too operatic for me. That, that, that's my problem with it. What marks it down for me is that it's of its time, I think, because it, it just... Yes. It doesn't work with me. It doesn't work with well, me as a person and what I like. Look, can I point out, I agree from a taste point of view, I really hate the, the soprano element, but we're all musical theatre yeah. fans. Um, and in 1942, I think it was, Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote Oklahoma and it was credited with being a brand new type of musical mm. because the music went seamlessly with the story. People weren't just breaking out into song. But Disney did it first. I think it's safe to say that this is the first mus- modern musical mm. of its time. And Walt actually sort of said in one of the meetings, which were all transcripted so you can read them in the biographies and things, um, that he didn't want them to just burst into song. He said we should set a new pattern, a new way of doing it, weave it into the story. And um, I think that's why it's so successful. Yeah, yeah. be interesting to see whether the, whether it is safe to say that it's the first one. Um, I'm reckoning we could have a bit of a feature here in the future if people tell us yeah. what we've said that's wrong. We can have a Disney do-over section in the, in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's why I went Disney... quiet when you said that because I I couldn't say either way if that was true or not. Do you... I certainly think... Do we trust her? Chris? When I was... Rarely. A lot of this is coming from <laughs> Walt's biography that I read and they certainly sold it 
as the first one. However, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of firsts to do with Snow White, which are ropey. For example, it wasn't the first full-length feature film, um, animated feature film, because someone did a documentary on um, microbiology, I think, or something like that, and it, which was feature-length. Fun. I know, and was entirely animated diagrams, but you you just can't compare it. No, but <laughs> also that doesn't you count. Know. No, but I mean, if you've been really pedantic, and it's the same with the uh, multiplane camera, they invented it in its current and final form, but they were the first studio to use it. And and just little things like that, and people are going to go nuts with us, aren't they? Well, you've got to think as well that, that calling it the first animated feature film when it was an hour and seven minutes long is... Uh... Pushing the boundaries a little bit, isn't it? My friend once told me that he was in a pub and a chap walked in and he went to the bar and he ordered a pint and seven halves and then he necked his pint, then he turned to the door and he shouted, Hi-ho! And then seven stag party members, seven stags came in on the knees and had half a pint each. (laughs) <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I think they took it in turns to be the sort of the... The grown-up one. The grown-up one. <laughs> yeah, the full-size, uh, you know. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, that's funny. That I, is, that's is pretty funny. very original. I'd like As to As someone who's that. worked in a pub that was frequented by stag dudes, I would have I would have raised a smile at that one. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty inventive. So, um, the only thing left to do with this now is to score it for everything. So, Would you like to know the IMDb score? Yeah. N- no. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. IMDb, which is rated by users of the website, gave it 7.6. So on our scale, 76. I'm going to say not out of 100. Yeah, 76. 76. And Rotten Tomatoes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the Critics. Gave it ninety eight percent. Wow! And the audience gave it seventy eight percent. What does the audience know? Yeah, very interesting discrepancies there. I bet a lot of them are saying, "Don't like Thirty Soprano." Yeah. Well, let's find out what we scored it then, shall we? Yeah. Should we start with the story, Hugh? I don't mind that the story is uh, a little sparse because you get all these character moments. And for that reason, I don't see any fault in it. I'm going to give it a 10. Ooh. What about you, Lucy? Um, my initial instinct was that it'd be quite low. I've, I've got a newfound respect for it, having written, re- uh, read about it recently. Um, but still, I'm not a fan of the female characters. I think they're rather weak, and I'm going to give it a 7. Well, for me, um, I've said before, I find the plot a bit hollow. Um, I, as much as I enjoy the uh, the gags and things, it just dragged on too much for me. Um, having said that, it's great when it kicks in towards the end and it does lull you into false sense of security. So it is a good story. It's just not a great story. So I'm going to give it a seven as well. What about animation? Lucy, you can go first with animation. Yeah, this is an easy one. It's a 10. It not only because it was in- innovative, which is a word I can never say, um, 
and just groundbreaking in so many thousands of ways, but it stands up. You cannot watch that and think it looks dated at all. I think it's it's an amazing achievement and it is a solid 10. You? It's the gold standard. It's... Uh, what's the other word for gold standard? It's the benchmark. It's a 10. It has to be. The craftsmanship in it. It's a 10. Well, I'm not going to give it a 10. <laughs> I know. Um, I agree with you on pretty much everything you're saying. The only thing for me about it is, literally the only thing is, I feel like it's a bit confused as to whether it's a silly symphony, whether it's something else. And the the fusion of, of that realism of those main characters and the um, believable characters in the, in the dwarfs and the animals there's something that just doesn't quite go together for me. I think in the future, as we work, as they work through this, it gets more seamless. But at this point in time, it's breaking ground and it's doing great. But it's just that, for me, that doesn't quite work. So I'm giving it a nine. Music. Well, shall I go first with music? Yes. Why not? Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. So for music, for me, uh, that continual soundtrack is what really sets it apart for me. Um, there's some great memorable songs in Hi Ho, Whistle While You Work. Um, and they stand the test of time but it's just too operatic. For me, it's just too operatic, so I give it an eight. You you speak in my mind, Chris, <laughs> because I don't I don't like the 30 Soprano. I think I've said that eight times already this episode, but it, I just love the orchestration and I love the, the fun songs and I'm going to give it an eight. Well, it may surprise you as uh, Mr Negative Pants, as I normally am, but there's just... Watching this film... I didn't have a problem with anything. <laughs> I like the music. I love the animation. I like the story as it is. It's another 10 from me. This is a legitimately funny film. It's not my favourite Disney film, yet I do think it's perfect, if that makes sense. Mm. It gets 10s across the board from me. Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty high benchmark to set. No, I, even one. though I haven't given it 10s across the board, I thoroughly respect that. I just, honestly, I have no problem with anything in the film. And also, as an achievement, I almost feel it should be given bonus points for simply existing. Well, it's interesting you talk about bonus points, because we've got a score out of 90 there, but we want to do a score out of 100. Hmm, 10 mm-hmm. missing points. Yeah. Where, where would we find such such points? So... Snow White ran away from the Queen. The animals, the bees are to her and then they take her to that little cottage that she was in. They're singing and then they see her in the cottage. The dwarves. The dwarves found her and then the Queen came with an apple and she poisoned her. She falls asleep and then the prince came down kissed her and then they all lived happily ever after my favorite character is snow white because she looks like my mummy lucas do you think snow white looks like my mummy i suppose she looks a little bit like your mummy my favourite character was Dopey because he was a bit silly and funny. I like the bit where, at um, the end, where they all get happy 
And I like the cleaning up the room bit too, because that's a good job and you have to. My favourite song is the one that goes like this. Hey ho, hey ho, off to work we go. My favourite song is the tidying up one and... I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the one to guide me, to guide me, to die, to die. I will give Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs a four out of five. I give it a four out of five. Okay, so that gives us an overall score for Snow White then of 87 out of 100. That's not bad. It's not bad at all, is it? No. It's a strong start. Yeah. I'll be interested to see where everything else slots around that. That's going to take some beating. Some people are thinking, I bet Lion King can beat that. Well, I'll see to that. (laughs) Can we talk about the cry factor? Oh, yeah, let's. This is, uh, I cry. I'd sound like I was breaking up then, but that was just a coincidence. I cry very readily at films. Very readily, so I'm probably not a good like person to, to judge this. But uh, Cry Factor, out of five, I'd give it a three. It's not a big weepy, but there's a bit where um, Grumpy turns away and cries against the chair. That just crushes me. It got me as well, did that bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm welling up now. Yeah. Well... Uh, that just about wraps up episode one. All that remains is for us to say goodbye. So in the words of Grumpy, I'm warning you, don't let nobody or nothing in the house. Goodbye. Bye. Good night, children. <laughs> <laughs>